Across the Streams podcast interview series. Kip here, second season of Just Me. Um, season six overall, you know, Kane big time nowadays. He pops in and out as a guest, but I got to run this thing solo. Uh, so we took a break uh, before between season five and starting season six, getting back to our original format, finding great folks that are doing great things. Um, and we want to give them the platform to tell their stories. So got a longtime friend of Kelly and I's. Uh, that's doing amazing things in her field, and she was. We, we ran into each other at a, at what we all do nowadays as parents, a youth sporting event where we got to sit in the stands and kind of catch up and kind of yell at referees. You didn't do any of that, though, Heather. No, we didn't. We don't yell at refs. Uh, but Dr. Heather Bacon is with us. See, I get to say doctor now on the podcast. It's wow. official, right? Yeah, yeah. Founder of Rivercrest Behavioral Health and Wellness. Um, welcome to the pod. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I know this is a podcast everybody can't see. I've got this fancy background now on my Zooms for my guests, and Heather is joining us from her car because that's the dedication we require from podcasts across the streamers, or is that's just parenting in the 21st century, right? That is correct. I am in the serenity of my car, which is the only place I can find that. We got to yeah. find the spaces. Sometimes it's me right. with my, Air- my AirPods in, walking the dog, listening to 90s hip-hop. And please, no one bother me. But if you got to use the car, we we respect it. Right. Um, I, can't I, prom- I can't promise you that my children won't still try to come out to the car later. But <laughs> hey, that they would be great guests. That my right. I told my kids. I said, hey, we got to watch Saturday Night Live after the pod. And they said, Dad, when are we going to be back on the podcast? And I said, listen, as important as you two feel like your opinions on the Batman movie are, (laughs) I'm going to talk to Heather because she's doing important things in the world. Okay. Uh, All right. Let's let's jump into it. if I, I do want to get, it's always important to let you kind of talk to your journey of how you arrived professionally and where you're at. But if you were talking to the Heather I first met, God, what was that, 1999? And we're, right. we're all playing basketball at Willamette University, you and Kelly on, yep. on the women's side, me on the men's side. We're all hanging out, having a great time. If I just said, hey, I'm, let's fast forward to 2022. I'm going to have to call you Dr. Bacon. Right? Like, what, what would you, would your younger self believe that's where you are today? Why or why not? Right. Well, first of all, I would have said, why did I marry somebody with the last name of Bacon? Right? <laughs> Joe's going to listen to this. Better? He's he's used to that, I bet. Oh, man. Uh, you know, I like this question, and I think, I think if I'm being honest, the answer is, yes, I absolutely would have believed that I would be where I am today because that girl you know that that college student girl was never short on drive never short on hope um and and to be honest with you i think she would have believed everything that i've done that's awesome Um, but 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 the ignorance of of her would have believed that i could have achieved this with ease (laughs) yes and and, and like ah, it wouldn't be that hard you know that's not that's we can do that absolutely and and i for sure would believe that i'd have a vacation home somewhere as well right right i mean yeah so so i mean yes i think that back then i thought i was going to do big things um but i but i would never have known i would have been blindsided and and was blindsided at the reality of how hard it is that's that's i love that answer i love it the so tell us walk us through the path um, you know, take us from the end of student athlete, college, undergraduate degree 
to now and you got as much time as you need so don't you don't got to cut corners tell us all the fun stuff i know i really was fascinated when we got to catch up last weekend just in hearing about the the entrepreneurial business side of this but i know there's so much more before you arrive there so go ahead take us wherever you want to start right okay well i mean i would say you know my journey into psychology began when i was teaching um so i was i was a special education teacher teaching in secondary schools uh, in Beaverton and then um, at a at a residential treatment facility in Pendleton um, and then at Pendleton High School. And I would say that the, the sort of um, crossroads for me was when I realized that I, I couldn't help the kids the way that I wanted to, right? So, you know, I, I realized that they were dealing with bigger problems than, you know, not knowing the prepositions or you know, uh, not knowing who the 16th president of the United States was. And, and so I just found myself really more invested in trying to help them with what, what turns out to be mental health. Um, and as a teacher, my hands were tied, you know, I did the best I could. And I think teachers are doing the best they can. Um, but I, I wanted to go a little bit further. And so I, uh, I enrolled in a, in a doctoral program and, um, Boy, that's, that's been, that's been, that was a journey um, because, you know, the first part of it was online. I could do some coursework online and then uh, the rest of it, I had to do a lot of face-to-face stuff. So I had to go, you know, I, I flew to Minneapolis, I flew to Indianapolis, I flew uh, all over the place to get my, my face-to-face training. Um, And then I, I, I graduated, oh gosh, maybe 2012. Um, and I started a solo practice working with other practitioners in the Pendleton area. Um, and then I wanted to be a little closer to my family who lived in Hermiston. So um, I, I transitioned with the help of my absolute role model, my mentor, Dr. Terry Templeman. Uh, he supported me. He helped me. Um, he encouraged me. And, um, and I started my own practice in Hermiston and met up with another provider um, over here, Dr. Jennifer Cooper, who we are still partners today. Um, and then here, here's where it kind of turned for us is in our practice, we, we were solo practitioners, but we shared administrative staff. And, and so we would have like one phone, phone number, right? And so all these calls would come in for us. And we started recognizing even prior to COVID, we're just turning away people left and right because we're full, right? And and I primarily specialize in treatment of children and families in distress. And then she specializes in, in treatment of adults and the older population. And we just couldn't, we weren't meeting the needs of our community. And and Kip, I have to tell you, I think for the longest time, I, I just kept saying to myself, I'm doing the best I can. Mm. I'm doing the best I can. Yeah, right? yeah. And, and it wasn't until COVID, when we were turning away massive amounts of people and, and turning them away, trying to, you know, send them places that we already knew weren't, re- weren't accepting new referrals. Right? right. I mean, there's just no other place to send them that I realized that that was just an excuse mm. that, that I'm doing the best I can was just an excuse to stay comfortable. Wow. Wow. And, that's such a powerful statement. Oh, you know, and, and it's sad because there's parents reaching out, you know, my child, in this you know distress and they're suicidal and 
and, and you know, our response was like, well, can, can you wait three months? You know, oh. of, of course not. Right. No, right. we just need help. So that was when we decided to, and, and with the help of Dr. Cooper, again, supporting and encouraging me, that's when we decided to, to go into a group practice and see if we could recruit uh, for ourselves. Um, and that, that journey was long and has been, um, rewarding, but continues to be a lot of work. Uh, we found a couple of psychiatric nurse practitioners that joined our group. We're trying to still recruit a couple more, uh, licensed clinical psychologists, but we need them to come to rural Oregon. Mm-hmm. And, and, and therein lies the, the, the difficulties of recruiting and then retention on top of that, of course. There's so much there in just your, your three, four minutes there. Like there's so many things I want to I want to deep dive when you talk, you okay. know, having having taught myself for eight years and obviously Kelly being in it, my parents, lifelong educators, like when you said my hands were tied, like it, it's. I can so like relate to that feel and not helplessness is wrong. Frustration at like, I'm here for the kids, right? And I'm sure it speaks to you. I'm here for the kids. Boy, debits and credits and accounting at 8 a.m. isn't really what I envisioned as being a way to help mold kids at McKay High School, right? So, you know, for me, similar in that, you know, basketball being a passion, but I feel like I can have so many more touch points and I can be more of a beacon for kids with 20 of them just as a basketball player. But like that really speaks to me what you're saying, especially with how did you ID? How did you go from she he or she doesn't turn their shit in on time or they're late to class all the time? How did you make that connection? Like you said, because I know so the educators, we got 100 people coming through. Like how yeah. how did you make the connection? Man, I see the mental health tying all this together. Yeah, that is such a good question. And the answer is we had relationships. Ah. You know, I had relationships with my students and I was able to because we had small group, right? Mm. In special education, we were awarded the benefit of having smaller groups so I could, you had to build relationships with these kids. They didn't trust you in the first place. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, you're trying to get them more motivated to do their own work, to take, you know, to take ownership of their own, of their own lives, really. Um, and the only way to do that is to build relationships with them. And so, so as I started doing that and investing more in, in relationship building, they would, they would disclose more to me. Yeah. Yeah. You do know? you feel and you always you had that, like that ability, like that natural, cause you know, like, just like you mentioned, kids will sniff you out. Like if you're inauthentic, yeah. right? Kids will sniff oh, yeah. you out in a second. So did you just feel like a, like, was that something you worked on, developed, or like it just was naturally part of how you went? So Finding that, that is, connection. That is, right, that is the one thing I think led me down both, both, ah. paths, both into special ed and into psychology is, is empathy, right? I, I have, um, I think that that is something that comes natural to me. I have always found myself rooting for the underdog you know, I find myself motivated, you know, almost, you know, goosebumps motivated by stories of the underdog. Um, and that's, that's really easy for me to be intrinsically motivated when it comes to children who Ooh. are the underdog. Yes. Um, so, so yes, I think it, I think I also, you know, Kip, like you're an educator, I, you get more out of it, I think, as, as, as the adult trying to facilitate these relationships, I think sometimes than the kids do. That's that's awesome. 
That's awesome. It's not, it's not an altruistic thing. I, I absolutely think that I get more out of these relationships than, than, than kids I work with. How, there's so, we got, we got plenty of time. How do you being, you know, like you, like you mentioned, you're doing this podcast cause your life is so, you know, you wear so many hats in mom, yeah. partner, wife. Those are all part, other all part of the hats. I'd imagine this. I mean, I know my job with this has such small stakes compared to yours as a basketball coach. I can't not bring it home. How do you do that? How do you how do you find? Because I, I don't I don't know if balance is even possible, right? In what you do. So how, how is it compartmentalizing your day to day? I mean, tell how do you how do you work with that? Because you're carrying like literally your job is to carry. Maybe carry is the wrong word, but to dive into other people's shit. You know, how do you get clean yeah. before you go home? So the process is to reevaluate my focus. So my children, my husband, my extended family, and my friends require things from me also. And so if I am not available to them, then those relationships, those that mean the most to me, are not going to survive. And so it is, it is literally a process of like, okay, you're done with work. And now you got to refocus. You know, it's almost like a, it's like I give myself a little bit of a pep talk. Like, man up now. I know that there's a lot of weight back there at that office. And, right. and your, your patients have a lot of weight on their shoulders. And you've done what you can for today. Mm. And now, now your kids need you. Mm. You know, and so if, if I only give to my patients or I only give to, you know, the parents that I work with or then, then like I'm, a, I'm kind of a fraud mm. because because I'm, I'm telling them, I, you know, I got to walk the walk also. We yeah. got to let things go that are out of our control. I've done what I can. Yeah. And I'm not saying that I'm always successful at it right. or that it's easy. Right. Yeah. There are, there are certain cases that haunt me. Yeah. Absolutely. But um, at the end of the day, that's the process. And I just try to focus on my my family and, and the things that I need to do for myself so that I can go back the next day and and try, try to, try to do it again. Right. I, I, I heard like, this phrase, I wish I could give credit to the, like I, coaches, we're great at stealing things. And then like we rebrand it. Cause it, that was, Kip said that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I didn't say it first. I oh. said it like 66th, but somebody told me oh, we're all, right. we are all masters in the making. So we have to stay students engaging. Right. So I, oh, I like I to that. use that. Right. Because we are, we're trying. I loved your answer because I try. I've got a theme. I've got a. I've got a goal, boy. If Wednesday, we didn't get there, right? Right. Uh, right. Exactly. We'll be right back. Let's take our first break, and we'll be right back with Dr. Bacon. All right, we're back with Dr. Bacon. Okay, if you were, what's the biggest misconception? Maybe that's even. I don't even know if you need to go misconception. When people hear mental health, people hear your focus on children, families, right? Um, I think like you mentioned earlier, the amount of empathy, like people's minds go to maybe extremes. So maybe misconception, you can start there, but what, what do yeah. people not know about what you do? Or maybe what is it that they we were in the general ballpark that if you were given a TEDx, like this is my day, this is why you're, I'm not, I don't want you to brag. You can, cause you're doing great work, but like, this is the work. This is what people across the country are doing behind the scenes that help us get out of the damn car sometimes out of, out of bed some days. Right. So, so I think that there's probably a, a more obvious misconception, and that is uh, that that having feelings, negative feelings, is weak. Mm. You know that it's a sign of weakness. Um, that being vulnerable is weak. 
Um, and, and the bottom line is the more vulnerable we are, the, the, the tougher it is sometimes to face the world, but yet the most success we get out of Ooh, it. Yeah. You know, because if you're not vulnerable, if you don't experience like negative emotions, like regret, right? I mean, there's some phenomenal research out there. Daniel Pink is one of my favorite authors. And, and he wrote a, a book about, you know, basically learning how to move forward by going back in time and actually experiencing regret. Ooh. You know, like, hey, let's face it. Like, this is a feeling we all have. And if you don't have it, then you're just lacking self-reflection. Mm. Right? Yeah. And, and, and so, so negative emotions come with everybody. You can't, you know, so, so if, if, if you're not ready to face them um, and, and, to, and to try to work through them, therapy might not be what you want. But if you're, if you're like in there and you're like, I'm, I'm ready to do this, I work with some of the toughest people I've ever met. I think about their stories and their levels of adversity and I think there's no way I would have survived that. Wow. You know, mm -hmm. this is, this is amazing. The people I get to work with. Um, and so I would say that's the biggest misconception. I like that word actually, is that going to therapy, getting help is a sign of weakness. Mm. That's because so, that's huge. Through it, right. The, you know, and the, and the people on the podcast are used to be talking about teams of men in, in my work, but that is like core foundationally to the young men that we try to reach and the coaches really that we try to reach because we are absolutely told that if you are not steadfast in your beliefs from day one and never change never have any you got to be rigid and strong and don't break at all times and the second you do you're done you lost and that's why you lost the game so I, that that so speaks to everything and as somebody that myself that avoided therapy for a couple of years when I sh before I started it, you know, and now dec a decade and a half later, I wouldn't exist without it. But I know that yeah. was absolutely one of the crutches was like, man, who am I, I going to say? I'm going to lay on a couch. That's what I'm going to do. Sidebar, I've never laid on right. a couch, right? And I don't know if that was like subconscious. It's not how my guy rolls. Shout out right. Dr. Lennox. Uh, I like my chairs <laughs> and my stools and sometimes Zoom. Right. Um, yep. But yeah, that for... For you, going further along that, what did you, as you were practicing, right, and you start from the first patient all the way through now, how do you grow in, like, what you do? Obviously, literature, but what's, like, your professional development to be better for your patients? You know, coaches, we're watching game film. We're studying each other. You know, what is it for you in the mental health field that keeps you new, right, and on point with what how you can help the best ways? Well... So another great question. Every case is different. So you learn from every case that you're involved in. And I have a team of people surrounding me that I consult with on a regular basis about cases um, because I don't always have it figured out either. You know, like, oh, my gosh, how do I help this person? I'm not even sure where to start. Mm. Um, and so yeah. I, I consult with my colleagues. Um, I go to the research. Absolutely. We have to stay up on the research. Um, and I go back, you know, I, I, I do a lot of self-reflecting um, on cases that I've experienced in the past that, A, I think could help me in terms of what I learned from, from those cases, but also the mistakes I've made. Uh, you know, the things that I was like, man, I probably could have handled that better. Um, so I think it's just a, it's a, it's a process of multiple things. One, self-reflection. Two, 
you know, using your, your professional colleagues. Um, and, and three, learning from, from your patients and going into each situation like it's new. It's almost like cultural diversity, right? Uh-huh. You, gotta, you know, uh-huh. you, you can go to as many trainings as, 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 as are under the sun, and you're still not going to totally understand your patient's cultural diversity, their, their cultural, you know, origin. Yeah. Until they, yeah. Share, until they share it with you. Right. Are there, you yeah. know, you mentioned, uh, you know, one of your favorite authors, Daniel Pink. You talked about, you know, an, an advocate for you, Dr. Templeton. Is they, like in coaching there, then I apologize for keep, uh, uh, you know, trying to f- make coaching in what you do on equal playing fields. But yeah. I think it helps for framing. Are there, like, you know, we'll look up and like, hey, that guy won the national championship. Or she won, she took her team to the final four. What's she doing? Are there, like, tiers or, like, is it experience level of therapists or people you look up to or have just because you came across? Is it the research-based? You know, does that make sense? Like, there's a Phil Jackson of therapy, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. Or a Gino REM or a Pat Summit of therapy. So I think it's a, it's, there isn't one. Okay. Um, and I think that's the beauty of it is that you learn from so I think the diversity of of the people that I listen to or that I follow gotcha. or that I read. Um, I try to grab bits and pieces from all of them. So there isn't that one. There isn't the, the Michael Jordan yeah. of, of um, psychology because also we have so much new research on the mm, Gotcha. You know, so new things come out, and 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 so we have to use and, and you have to use your filter because sometimes research, you know, the way that it's presented to us isn't isn't exactly what it what it's designed to the message it's designed right. to give, right? So there's a lot of uh, misinformation out there that you have to you you have to be professional and 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 understand research, I think, to be in this field. Right, right. Knowing I, that that leads me into something that that we you talked about a little bit earlier that just relationships and your natural empathy, you know, whether that's from mom that's and dad or your life experiences that you kind of came to the table with. What else? What other skill sets do you think you brought into this, whether knowingly or unknowingly? Like, hey, man, that actually that really works. Like, that's a good. I have that skill that's helped me in this field. So, so I'm going to go, I love that you're referencing coaching because I'm going to go to coaching and my experiences as an athlete. Oh, yes. Uh, teamwork, teamwork. Like, Hey, you're coming here. You're presenting a problem. I don't have all the answers. I don't want you to think that I do. I'm here to help you come up with your own answer. So leadership, um, you know, having this idea that like, I want, I want them to experience some of the highlights of their own success rather than giving it to me. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so that's that, that captain of the team mentality, you know, let's, let's spread the joy. Let's give other people credit yes. for what they, what they're doing. And then I'm going to be honest with you. I think work ethic and, and just, just like sort of organic grit, mm-hmm. right? Like just keep going, just persevere. It's not looking good right now. You know, you're down by 20 in the fourth. You want to give up. This is not looking good. And there's yeah. times where I feel that way on behalf of my patients. Like, wow, I, I just don't know if I can if I can help you. I don't know how to get you there. Um, but I want it so bad for them. Yeah. You know, you can taste it. And I know they do too. So, and, I, and again, I'm talking about children. Right. You know, that's my experience. I'm talking about children. And so how do you give up on that? Right, right. You don't. You don't. You just, you find energy and you keep going. And so I really feel like my, 
my um, experiences being an athlete and previously being a coach really helped me as a clinician. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now flip it, you know, for me, like I know for me, one of the, the hardest parts of this, of the coaching is I have rabbit ears and I'm very, I'm sensitive to everything happening in a room. And like, I can pick up on like body language or little snippets of like side sly comments that would not phase my assistants, right? They're just like, eh, whatever. But I'm like, holy shit, he's in a terrible mood. Maybe he's mad at me. Maybe it's the losing. Like I pick up on all that. So I know it's like a strength in making relationships, but it's also like draining as a coach. And, I, and I've tried to get better at not all information is vital, actionable pieces, Kip, that you take. So what skill sets are you still developing maybe that you've recognized? I still got, I got, this really is something that maybe isn't naturally inherent in me, but I recognize I've had to improve at. Okay. Okay. So, so here's, here's where I get vulnerable, right? Yep. So, so the answer to my, the, the one that is just glaring is highlighted to me is, my desire to make progress now ah. right now let's go yep you know if you're not if you're not making progress then you're not putting in the work yep um and it, you just can't always have that and and so i have been accused of being a little more aggressive <laughs> than than maybe than maybe you know they that traditionally you would want a therapist yeah 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 right? Uh, like slow down bacon and, right. and just listen for a little bit. And, and um, so, so I think that that's something that I've had to learn and I have to be super conscious of when I'm in, especially working with certain populations mm. like um, depressed adolescents gotcha. um, um, where they come in and they're, and they're sad and they're not motivated. That's like by definition, you know, their problem. Right. And, and then I'm here like, well, Hey, you know, Get motivated. Let's go. Let's, right. Let's make movement in your life. You right. can do this. Right. Um, and they're like, no, no, I can't. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So um, I do. I struggle in, in those ways. And I have to be very, very aware uh, of um, my biases, to mm. be honest with you. That's mm. what they are. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. it makes me think of our, you know, our shared athletic background. Like, what's the score? OK, we're working towards something. There's no score at the end of today. So how do we know if it was good and, or bad? Did we win or lose? Where's the score? Great analogy. That's <laughs> right? It. That's it. It's 72-70. It was clearly a win. I did everything right, right? Mm -hmm. Oh. Yeah. If there was a quantitative goal, yeah. we can reach that. Yeah. Right? Let's, let's go there. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. a really good analogy. I like that. <laughs> let's take our last break, then we'll come right back, and I want you to brag about you and your all your team's work. We're back. Final sec. Final segment, uh, Rivercrest Behavioral Health and Wellness founder, Dr. Heather Bacon. Brag about your team. You know, when you and I got to talk, you know, uh, you can even tell us a little bit about the nature of the area, the, 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 the geographic area you guys are serving and the needs you're trying to okay. fill. Um, and I know, obviously, you guys are part of a holistic, you know, a whole group of providers. But what are you guys doing great? How can people contact getting, because it is such a need, you know, from my small vantage point on a college campus, the amount of mental health referrals. And I mean, I know Bishop Wellness is completely over capacity. Fantastic group of yep. counselors cannot see everybody. Similar to what you mentioned in the yep. first segment, Kip, hey, I, I can't see him. Those three can't see him. We can maybe refer you to two people in Salem. They're probably booked. You know what I mean? So go ahead. Right. Yeah, so, so my team right now consists of two psychiatric nurse practitioners um, and then the, the clinical psychologist, Dr. Cooper, that I've referred to, 
uh, myself, and then I have two administrative staff. And I'm going to be honest with you, they're all rock stars. My my admin, um, so my billing specialist, and then we have a um, uh, a medical assistant. She also does some reception work. They work their tails off. They work their tails off, you know, and they care as much for our community as all of the providers and, and our business would not exist without them. Um, and so I, I have to give them as much credit as I do any of our providers. Then I've got these two psychiatric nurse practitioners who are rock stars. They moved, one of them moved from Texas um, and, and, and transplanted her whole family over here um, to, so she could help us. You know, because when I interviewed the two nurse practitioners, they both said, you know, we, we've worked in hospital settings. We've worked in clinics where, you know, we're supposed to be seeing patients 15 minutes at a time, getting them in, you know, just as fast as you can. Um, and, and not because these clinics or hospitals want to provide quick service. It's because they're, they're maxed out too. We're trying to see as many people as we can. So when I was recruiting, it was really important to me that the providers that I brought over here to our rural Oregon area understood a rural care because it is different. We, we lack a lot of services. We are an under, we are a, a medically underserved population in every way, not just mental health, right? Our, yeah, we do not yeah, have the yeah, services yeah. that we need to support the infrastructure of our community. And so, um, when I talked to them, I said, you know, I'm not interested in 15 minute appointments. I get that we can see more patients that way, but I don't want to sacrifice quality of care for quantity. And they both were just like super on par with, you know, this, this emphasis on quality care. And we'll see as many patients as we can, as long as we feel comfortable um, with the quality of all of that. And, and it takes um, a lot of extra stuff outside of the sessions that they see with patients. So they're, they're coordinating care with other doctors. They're coordinating care with other family members. They're answering phone calls and text messages at all hours of the day, uh, despite the fact that we're trying to set some boundaries there. You know, I mean, right. they're just going above and right. beyond for our community. And we're really lucky to have them. Um, hey, you said recruiting three times. I think you do as much recruiting as me. You might do it better since you're pulling out of Texas. You might. I might need some well, tips. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, I've only got, I've only got two. Tips, so your yield is through the roof. Your success percentage is through the roof. Uh, right now, we're looking for for more uh, counseling, obviously. Um, and, and preferably somebody who, who will move here, mm -hmm. you know, to, to rural Oregon. There's so many great things over here, but you got it. You got it. You got to want the rural yeah. feel. Uh huh. Um, so that's where we're at, Kip. And, and anybody can go to our, our website, you know, and that's rivercresthealth.com. Yes. That's it. And yeah. we'll make sure we put that wow. up um, on on when we post the episode. We'll put it up on all our platforms. I, I it's interest not interesting, but it's it's probably the norm. But like I see immediately on yours, and and it's a bit you know it's you're doing this because you give a damn, like I mentioned. But it's also a business, right? But in yours, like I see it, the very first splash is for the immediate help, the suicide prevention 
uh, prevention lifeline, the county crisis line, the crisis text line, which just speaks to me and reinforces how important it is the work you guys are doing. I'm imagining coordinating, like you mentioned so many times, not just you and, and your great team, but coordinating, getting people to all these checkpoints to help them has got to take, you know, it, it just, it speaks to how, how uh, the web that you guys got to connect people to. Well, you know, and then last year, the school district reached out to us and we did some consultation oh, with wow. all of the counselors in the school district. And then Dr. Cooper and I also did a suicide prevention video for the school district. Oh, so good. So I, I have to give a whole lot of praise to uh, Hermiston School District and some of the surrounding school districts because they really, really, they, they understand how important mental health is for their students. And, I, and I'm seeing that, you know, they're yeah. putting aside resources. Um, for their students. We have certain school districts who actually have a mental health fund. Wow. And and they will help, to, you know, these children that need services outside of what school psychology or school counseling can do. They, they have a direct line to us and they, and they will call us. And I've had superintendents call to get a student in for counseling. Wow. Wow. You know, that wow. level of advocacy yeah. over here is inspiring. Yeah. You mean it's not just a hashtag they throw up once when, when it's mental health awareness right. month? That's, that's that's a positive that you're saying you see better than lip service, right? That's great. Yeah. That is phenomenal. Well, right. thank you very much. We want to have you back, uh, not just telling your story, but also commenting on a lot of stuff that, that comes up in across the, the podcast when we're talking about mental health and all the because the world yeah. never fails to give us reasons not to talk about it because it uh, there's a, hell, a lot to talk about there is and we will appreciate your expertise but thank you so much for joining us um dr heather bacon river rivercrest health and get over to rivercresthealth.com we'll share that as we go cross the streams content reminder the opinions expressed on today's episode are those of the hosts and guests alone and should not be viewed as reflective of the opinions of the institutions or employers of the hosts and guests.